This is Steph Driver with Broad Street Hockey and for hockey fans, joined by Tom Ertz, who is joining us to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. He's with Knights on Ice and also with Blue Shirt Banter on the For Hockey Fans Network. Tom, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me, Steph. How are you doing? Oh, wonderful. The Flyers are winning, which is unexpected, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, they are a lot higher in the, the division than uh, I would have thought at this point. But uh, enjoy it while we can, from your perspective, at least. Right, right. So you guys, the Golden Knights, are coming off of the cup-winning season. What has changed in the offseason for them? So for the Vegas Golden Knights, they are in a rare position where the pretty much the majority of their cup winning squad has returned. Um, they did lose some players. They traded Riley Smith to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They let you know players like Phil Kessel go to unrestricted free agency. He's still not latched on with anyone. Um, Nolan Patrick was a free agent. Um, he's really not doing anything given all you know the health woes that he's gone through. Um you know, Laurent Brunsois, who was one of their goalies during the cup run, he's back in Winnipeg. But the big names of the world, you know, your Jack Eichels, your Chandler Stevenson, your Alex Pedrangelo's Mark Stones, the team is back. And that's kind of what makes things pretty scary. It's that most times you see with a Stanley Cup champion, there's that, okay, we won the cup. Now the, the, the bill is due and we got to let go of players or trade them. No, Vegas is pretty much locked and loaded and in great position to, you know, repeat as cup champs, you know, should their uh, winning ways continue. That's great to hear because I love, I love the Vegas golden Knights. I've been calling them the glitters since the beginning of time. I love them. <laughs> um, interesting but that you brought up Nolan Patrick, because that is some shared history that the flyers and the golden Knights have. You think he's just done playing hockey? It certainly seems that way. Um, I just, you know, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, yeah. obviously it's, it's tough when you're, you're drafted in the spot that he was and, you know, you look back on the draft and see who else was drafted around him and what they've gone on to do. But yeah, it just never was able to, to stay healthy enough to, to be in the lineup. And it's just one of those things that it's really unfortunate. And, um, I hope for his sake, whatever he does decide to do, if he is done with hockey, he can at least, you know, have some peace with it. Cause I imagine, you know, you're performing in that high a level to get drafted where he did make it to the NHL. And then, you know, that dream sort of fizzle out. That's just, you know, hard to come to terms with. Yeah. Really hard to come to terms with. And the fact that it's not necessarily a physical injury that people can see, has got to make it really hard. I, I feel really bad for Nolan Patrick. Yeah, um, it's, it's just tough. Yeah, totally. Uh, a tough situation. So the Flyers are hot to start the season. How do fans, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about both sides of your coverage right now. How do fans feel about the Flyers? So I think the, the story with the Flyers is that, um, Basically, Danny Briere comes in and it feels like it's it's a new era of sorts where it's someone who 
has obviously a lot of history with the Flyers as a player. And it's essentially, it's marking sort of a, a new new trajectory forward for, for this franchise. I think everyone is kind of realistic with what, what the expectations were with this team. I know last year it was very much, uh, you know, touchy-feely around the exact words that mm-hmm. were used to describe the team. You know, John Tortorella basically, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm here to do a job and not wanting to say the word rebuild or anything associated with that. But, you know, you kind of seen that soften a little bit and, and it's highlighted by them, you know, getting Matvey Michkov at, at the draft, which is someone who is going to, um, terrorize the Metropolitan Division for many years to come once he does make his debut. But I think there's an energy around this team, and it, it could simply be something like, you know, Sean Couturier being back, and that is just a huge lift. And he's a, a player that's very important for them. Um, I think part of it, too, is, you know, you're moving out some some players who weren't as effective you know, whether it's, you know, Ivan Provorov on the back end, um, it, it just creates sort of a, okay, we are, we are, what we are, let's see what sort of steps we can take forward this season and look to be just better than we were last year. And obviously they're looking a lot better than they were last year. And whether that will last or not, it's just about moving a little bit forward because you want to have good morale with your team. You want to have good morale with your fan base to say, hey, we understand that things aren't exactly the way that we want them to be, but we are making incremental progress. And, you know, if you just have patience with us, you know, uh, brighter days are, are certainly ahead. And I think, you know, I'm not sure if this is the best analogy, but you sort of look at some of the other you know, sports franchises in Philadelphia and whether it's like, you know, the 76ers with their process. And I understand that, you know, that can be frustrating to to fans. Like they were supposed to achieve these great things, haven't done it yet. You know, the Phillies, you know, they're on, you know, the birth of maybe going back to another World Series and then, you know, obviously the Eagles. So um, I think when you look at the Flyers perspective, you can kind of get a sense of, okay, you know, we will get there. And, you know, sometimes that patience, you know, is ultimately rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because you definitely just from your position, you see teams that have had success like the Vegas Golden Knights. And then you also get a lot of exposure to um, the mistakes that the Flyers have been up to just because of the nature of your role with the two sites Um, for people. So as you know, Flyers were real bad last year. People checked out, wasn't a whole lot of hockey watching in the Philadelphia area. For people who missed how the Golden Knights won the cup last year, we obviously know the big names. We know Jack Eichel. We know Mark Stone. We know Alex Petrangelo. Who should we be looking out for in the game tomorrow night? I would say the one player of note that, um, I would say if you were you're a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers, a name that would stand out to you um, is Chandler Stevenson. Uh, Chandler Stevenson was uh, a member of the Metropolitan Division not too long ago when he was a center with the Washington Capitals. Um, at that time, he was a little bit lower down the lineup, and he was one of those players that, you know, 
you look at Vegas's roster from the expansion draft on, they've just had this knack of finding players and then turning them into better versions of themselves. Um, you know, he's leading the team in scoring right now, and it's a very important year for him because he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, and it's very much a thing of is Vegas going to be able to keep him? Um, he's 29 right now, and he is, you know, going to have a chance in the summer to capitalize on what we expect to be the first major free agency period um, in quite some time with, you know, the cap expanding as the NHL and the NHL players sort of settle up that money that was, you know, put in escrow due to the COVID shortened seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he's certainly living up to the opportunity he's been given now. I think Vegas is going to do everything in their power to try and sign him. Um, But outside of him, another player of note, um, William Carlson, again, uh, another player who had a you know short stint in the Metropolitan Division. Um, he was with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He joins the Golden Knights. And in his first season with them, scores 43 goals and 78 points. Now, that was the high watermark for him. He's kind of sort of declined in recent years. But last year was sort of his first, you know, back where you know the production you know what they've come to expect um and it's that's the scary thing about this golden knights team is that they have depth where the scoring is really spread around and it's at a point where they're not even operating at full capacity right now because like someone like jonathan marcheso who was great in the playoffs last year was the con Smythe winner he's only got three goals and three points in six games so far. And he is someone who can be at a higher level. And there are other names, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I look at it and I see they are 6-0-0, the first defending Stanley Cup champion to open a season with six wins. Um, And they are not even playing at their full potential. So when they do reach that full potential, um, I am – thinking that they could have a really strong case of repeating, if not just, you know, getting back to like, you know, the conference final, um, they are just that good. And obviously, you know, injuries and stuff can happen, but they are excelling right now with not everyone, you know, pulling their, their fair share. So that is, uh, that's certainly something. Yeah. This is a really scary team. So what really, really stupid way are the flyers going to beat them this week? So I I really could see this as a a trap game for the Golden Knights. Um like the Flyers for all their flyering, they are <laughs> off to a decent start and it's very much a thing of, you know, they are I could just see John Tortorella almost rallying around this group and in his true, you know, John Tortorella fashion going, Hey, the, you know, these fuckers are six. Oh, no, we're going to knock them <laughs> off. We're going to knock them off. We're going to be the ones that end their, you know, streak. You know, we don't give a crap about this, all that, and just roll them. And, yeah. you know, the golden Knights, as good as they have been and as good as they were last year, there were occasions where they just, 
lost that little bit of focus just for a little bit and had some poor performances. And um, they, they've kind of come close this year, but they've been able to, you know, sort of, you know, find their way. So you, you like, you know, you joke about it, but I've been looking at this game and I'm saying, I don't know. This is, this is a very, uh, could be a very funny game. I am actually anticipating it to be very funny because Philly sports right now are a little bit dramatic. The we're recording this Monday night. And last I saw before recording Phillies were losing. Um, yes. Three so one. I think that the flyers are going to have to step it up for the city tomorrow. And I really think that they're going to do it, which means it'll probably end up being one of the worst games that Vegas has will play all season. There's no, there's no way that they lose to the Flyers otherwise. It's certainly possible because you know I'm I'm pulling it up now, and their last game, the Flyers, it was a five four game against Dallas, and when Vegas played Dallas, it was a little tighter. Now, granted, um, Ottinger started that game, and it looks like Dallas had their their backup in, but um, you know, I I could just see it, and it's all it really takes is one, and and you look at you know, some of these teams that, you know, they sort of defy expectations. It feels like they have, you know, a signature win early on in the season that kind of, you know, played a big role in changing their trajectory. And I really think this could be potentially it for the Flyers against the Golden Knights. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it will be a high scoring game um, just because the, the, you know, stylistically, you know, the two teams I could see, you know, trading chances. You know, one thing that is going against Vegas is that they won't have one of their top defenders in Alex Petrangelo. He hasn't played since uh, the 13th. He took a puck off the side of the head against the the Sharks. Um, he skated in practice today in a non-contact jersey, but he's not going to play tomorrow. So, um, you know, them having him, not having him in the lineup again certainly doesn't help them, but um I they'll they'll try to do their their best as, as they've done you know so far without them. Yeah, that's definitely an advantage for the Flyers, and I agree with you. It'll probably be a high scoring game because the Flyers' defense has Rasmus Ristolainen as a key piece. He is one of the more interesting players that I've seen because um, I feel like the big thing with him was that he always got. Um, you know, crap for how, how bad defensively he was in Buffalo and not that he's been that much better with the flyers, but it's sort of like been this flip-flop where the defensive elements have been better, but like the offensive elements yeah. have just gone all away. And like, I, I really can't understand this. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. He hasn't been the absolute void of defense in Philly as he was in Buffalo so I make jokes at his expense all the time, and they're really unwarranted because he hasn't been that terrible. But he's also not good. And none of yeah. the – we've got, like, one good defenseman, and it's Kim York, and he's 22. So I'm not expecting big things out of the Flyers' defense, but they are they are on a, on a hot streak. So I think, you know, we're going to see the forwards do some stuff. Sean Couturier is back. Kim Atkinson is back. Joel Farabee is finding his legs. Owen Tippett is scoring. 
Uh, we've got Noah Cates that no one really knows, but he is just a machine right now. I think it's going to be a really interesting game for the Flyers and the Golden Knights tomorrow. And I think that the Flyers are going to eke out a win. I'm just hoping it doesn't go to overtime. It's a late game. Yeah, I mean those those late games are are brutal. As someone you know living on on the East Coast, um, that's you know following the uh, the Golden Knights. But yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And I I think the fact that Philly is a team that plays with an edge and can get that you know that you know heavy gritty hockey is something that can attempt to slow the Golden Knights down. Um, and you know all it takes is you know. Uh, a five, four win, you know, you're, you know, mucking about and, you know, get a dirty goal in the crease and, you know, that's all you need. Yeah. I'm going to say my prediction. I know I said it was going to be a high scoring game, but I can't get three, two out of my head. I have three, two, the flyers. What do you predict? I have like four, three. That's okay. kind of what I was thinking. Great. Is there anything else that we should know about the golden Knights going into tomorrow's game? Um, the only thing I would say with the Golden Knights is that um, what's been beneficial for them, at least early in the season, is they've done or at least been trying to do a decent job of, you know, using goalies in tandem, um, whether it's Aiden Hill or Logan Thompson, both of them have pretty stellar numbers. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I don't think that they have a confirmed goalie for tomorrow night. Um but if if the Flyers can sort of be the team that, you know, throws a wrench into that plan where it's like, okay, you have one of those goalies have like their first bad start. So that's that's kind of something that uh, I'll be keeping an eye on. We do know how to kill a goalie around here. <laughs> that's a Quite a few, whether yeah. it's, you know, Brzezgalov or Bobrovsky or all of them. It's it's yes, just been a lifetime them. wide thing. Lifetime. I feel like the the last one that actually was pretty decent for a decent while and you know didn't get run out of town and like this name is probably going to date me a little bit but he's one I think of his I think he's Roman Chekmanic. Yep. Yep. We 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 did love Roman Chekmanic. Um, Ron Hextall probably, but like true. His his legacy has been so tainted yeah. by his GM time. Carter exactly. Hart, we're all behind Carter Hart right now, but there's uh we actually talked about this on the PHLY podcast last week. Um there's just an asterisk hanging over him because he was part of that hockey Canada team that's being investigated. We just yes. don't know. We just don't know what the future holds for him. So we can't even get excited about the one goalie that we have that is looking good. It's the Philadelphia it, curse. Yeah. It's something with them and goalies and, you know, one day they will break that curse. Um, and I hope, you know, when it, when they do, it's, you know, it, they can stick with it for a little while because it, I mean, it, it has become a running joke, but the more <laughs> you do look into it, it's like, yeah, this is pretty bleak. It's really ridiculous. If you really look into it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Where can people go to find you? You can find me um, on Twitter while it still exists uh, at Tom Merch Jr. And you can also find me at uh, or the site at Nights on Ice and uh, at nightsonice.com.
Thanks so much. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Steph. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.